the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the show. Today we've got a very special show for you. More on that in just a moment. But I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And you're listening to The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions. All you have to do is call us. You can dial 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585 if you're outside the local San Antonio area. You can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. Numerically, that's 630-5757. You can send uh, email questions by emailing questions at calvarysa.com. Or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. If you're driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the hands-free feature of your phone using the free KSLR mobile app. You'll be connected directly to our studio producers. One more time, our primary number is 340-9585. Hey, before we go with our guest here, um, my producer, every day when we come in, he says, well, today's birthdays are this, and it's National Day of this or National Day of that. Well, today when he's reading the birthdays, he forgot one really important one, and that's Paula. Today is Paula's birthday. She is 67 years young, and she looks as good as she did when she was 27. And I mean that with all of my heart. So I know you're listening, sweetheart. Happy birthday. I love you. And I'll see you in just a little while. Okay, now we can get to our program. Uh, Today I have a special guest, Pastor Ellis Goins. I've been telling you this week he would be here. He is the pastor of our new church plant on the northwest side in the Alamo Ranch area of San Antonio, uh, and this coming Sunday, August the 4th, will be um, sort of a good day. It's it's his first day uh, as a church that's meeting on Sunday. They've been meeting uh, on uh, Friday nights for, I think, five years, five years. And um, uh, it's just time to go on Sundays, make it a church. So they're going to begin this Sunday. Uh, first Sunday of a month, and our tradition is is uh, Communion Sunday. And then this Sunday, we have our baptism uh, right afterwards. So you and your people, if anybody needs to be baptized or anybody gets saved on Sunday, we can bring them right out to the water. Uh, this is Pastor Ellis Goins from Calvary Chapel Northwest. Ellis, thanks for being on the show. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Pastor Ron. I'd uh, like to say hello to the radio audience and... Um, Looking forward to getting started this Sunday, Communion Sunday, and seeing all that the Lord has planned for us. Now, I know you're a semi-regular listener to the program. Yes. When, whenever you, you can. Um, maybe this is in your future. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Ellis, why don't you take a, a little bit of time, um, and we'll, I'll interrupt you if we get any phone calls. Uh, we're still taking phone calls, still answering questions. Uh, but uh, in the interim, tell us a little bit about your story, how long you've been here with us at Calvary Chapel, and, and, and sort of summarize the events leading up 
to everything that's taking place? Okay, um, well, I've been coming to uh, Calvary Chapel San Antonio since 2003. Uh, started there, uh, started here then. Uh, at the time, I was unmarried. I met my wife, Kellyanne, and we started coming together. We got married in, in 2006, and we've just been coming here faithful. Faithfully, we um, because we live far away on the northwest side, at certain point of time, we were looking to see if there were any other churches that were closer, but it just wasn't to be. God's will was forced to be here. We just couldn't part. Matter of fact, it's hard for us to leave now <laughs> to start our own work. But um, years ago, like you said, about five years ago, the Lord really placed in my heart to um, start a Bible study. There were lots of people coming here from that side of town that was finding it difficult to make the midweek services. And uh, the Lord just pressed on my heart that we needed to start a Bible study, which we did. So we started a Bible study and uh, we've been doing it uh, ever since on Friday nights. And now, by God's grace, we're going to start on Sundays this Sunday. Well, I told our audience, you know, this, this side of town has been so heavily on my heart for a lot of years, in fact, in this particular case, uh, probably 12 years, I can go back. And Paul and I were actually driving over to that side of town to do a midweek Bible study. We were doing it on Thursday on our date day, and we had a house full of people that would come. Uh, and, and it just got overwhelming for us. It was just, just too much, too far, too much traffic and all the other stuff that we were going. And so it became pretty clear that that wasn't God's plan for me to do two churches and uh, I've been been praying for and waiting for God to send me that man that he'd chosen to do that for a long time. Thought I had a man a couple of times and and for one reason or another, it just didn't work out. So I am I mean, for me, this is the culmination of, of a 12 year dream, a 12 year vision. And God doesn't always answer our prayers as quickly as we'd like him to. But uh, I, I'm thrilled with what he's doing. Uh, your wife, Killian, you married up. Yeah, most You're, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, you've got new twin grandbabies. Yeah, the Lord is good. The Lord is good to us. It's hard to believe that um, that man he called is me. You know, every time <laughs> I look in the mirror, it, it's hard to believe. It just doesn't make sense in so many ways in the flesh. Um, just the time constraints. Uh, I'm, I guess what you call bivocational. I have a, another full-time profession for now, but we're well aware that God knows all of our resources. He knows about what we have to offer as far as time, talent, and money. And when he calls us, we don't have to come up with a plan. How am I going to do this? We just need to say yes, because God's going to do it. And um, that's what we needed to do was say yes to, to that call. Ellis, um, uh, let's start. I'll, I'll do this again at the end of the program. But once you talk about about the location, where you're going to be meeting, uh, what time the services are, and we'll give our our audience on the northwest side of town an opportunity to check this out. So, Sunday you start, but but where and what time? Well, we are meeting at the Landon Ridge Senior Living Facility, which is eleven thousand three hundred Wild Pine. It's just just outside of Loop sixteen oh four off of Calabra. So um, that's where we're meeting. Uh, we meet on Fridays at 7 p.m. And Sundays we'll be meeting at 9.30 a.m. And you're going to be meeting in the same place Friday and Sunday? Friday and Sunday we're meeting the same place. Um, all of that information can also be found at our website, which is uh, calvarynorthwest.com. And um, Services Sunday start what time? 9.30 a.m. 9.30 in the morning. 9.30 a.m. And you're going to do what we've been doing for all these years. You can open the Bible and teach it. Simply teach the Bible simply. <laughs> and what, what book are you going to be teaching starting Sunday? Well, we're starting off with the um, book of 1 Corinthians. There's a lot of, lot of richness in that book. Although it's a book of uh, correction for a church, there's just so much in there. And the Lord led me there, and I, I look forward to teaching it. You know, one of the things that amazes me about that book is... Um, I, I just, you read it, and it sounds like the Apostle Paul's just angry. 
He's just scolding him. He doesn't have anything good to say. His grieving is very short and to the point. And then he goes, okay, now about those matters that we need to talk about. And, uh, and he sounds heartbroken. He sounds angry. Uh, of course, we know that's not the case. We get to second Corinthians written about six months later. And, and he, and he, and he shares his heart. He says, I wrote to you out of much anguish and with many tears. And I keep thinking, it didn't sound like you had anguish. It just sounded like you were mad. But this was a church that is is uh, represented. It might be called the the, the, the letter to uh, the San Antonians, because it's a church. Corinth was that is is much like churches today, uh, carnal in its approach, um, arguing about everything. The love and the unity within the body uh, was tragically lacking, uh, and unfortunately, that's what we see when we look around at a lot of the churches uh, in our church culture. It's just people going to church to feel good about themselves or because they, they're going to hear a message that makes them feel good about themselves. But but not to respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, not to be concerned with holiness or order in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul just wanted them not to miss out on all the great stuff that God has for them. That's absolutely right. Uh, Paul did have a broken heart for that church, and it's really about love. They they needed to learn to love God, and in loving God, they would be loving one another. There just was so many factions and disputes and carnality, just seeking after their own fleshly desires. Yeah, and it didn't take him long to get to the point, okay, you Corinthians think you're all that. Truth is, you're not much at all. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and the despised things, the weak things, even the things that are not, which is my personal favorite. And, and, and sort of like, okay, here's who you are. Here's who Jesus is. So let's start doing this for him. And it's just a book that, that I think is ignored too much in our church culture. I think I've talked through it twice uh, in our time here. Uh, but every time, Lord, it's really done something spectacular, especially when you get to chapters 12, 13, and 14, and you're talking about the gifts of the Spirit and how they ought to function in the body. Uh, you just told me before we went on air, went on air that uh, on your Friday night study tonight, you're having an afterglow service. Yes, we are. We are. We just finished the book of Ecclesiastes. So since we finished that one book before we start another one, we wanted to have that afterglow service. And I will be touching on those chapters in first yeah. Corinthians 12, 13 and 14 lightly just explaining to the body what, what an afterglow service is and, and what the purpose is. Yeah. For you in the audience an afterglow, we call it an afterglow here, but it's an opportunity uh, for the gifts of the spirit to function in the body. It's where the body ministers to itself under the power of the Holy spirit. But uh, in order for it to be the power of the Holy spirit, then our service has to be subject to the rules and the direction that we're given in First Corinthians 12 and 14, um, decently and in order, nobody out of control. Uh, if tongues are used, there's a gift of interpretation or just no more tongues, two or three at the most, if that's the case. But it's a really, really great opportunity to let the body sort of grow in their ability to use the gifts of the Spirit. And I think too often in church culture, we either go one direction Alice, which says, you know, we all go crazy and everybody's speaking in tongues at once, or we completely stifle the work that the Holy Spirit wants to do. And Friday nights are a good time. We do it on Friday nights, obviously, as you know, mm-hmm. when we um, uh, finish a book as well. Uh, I'm getting pretty close to the end of Hebrews, uh, although I'm going to probably take four months in Hebrews chapter 11. But uh, we'll be doing, uh, we'll be having an go when we're done with that as well. Uh, Ellis, if you would, let me give a phone number again. If you have any questions for Pastor Ellis or for me, 340-9585. If any of you are out on the northwest side of town and are interested in getting involved in a church um, at the very beginning stages, it's a wonderful time. I'll talk about that in a little bit as well. Uh, But if you're interested in doing that, um, if you have any questions for Pastor Ellis, he's here to take them. Uh, Ellis, would you take a few minutes and give us sort of the Reader's Digest version of how you got how you got saved? And you shared that with our body here when we ordained you Friday night. But 
I'd like the audience to be able to listen to that, too. Sure. Um, I was a young man out of control. I was um, 17 years old, planning on going into the military. I had already signed up for the Army's delayed entry program. And then a dramatic event happened in my, in my house. My uh, father had a stroke. Um, that impacted all of us severely. And during that time, um, after the stroke and before I left for the Army, a friend of mine came to visit me, one that I had grown up with, hadn't seen him in about a year. And he came over and we talked for a while, and he had shared with me that he had come to know Jesus as a Savior. He invited me to a Bible study that Saturday night. I was raised in church, so I had no problem going to the Bible study. And I did. I went to that Bible study and I sat there, 17 years old, out of control, even though thinking religiously that I was all right with God the entire time. I sat there and the Holy Spirit convicted my heart. He let me know that I was a sinner, that I was lost, I was on my way to hell, and that what I was looking at in these men was the genuine article. They really knew Jesus. Sitting there, I opened my heart to Jesus. He came in and he radically saved me. That moment, I was totally, totally transformed. I left that Bible study, and I had plans to go to a party that night. So I, I my, and my girlfriend was going to meet me there. So I drove over to that party, and as I drove up, the party environment that was going on just caused me to reflect and think, I was in that world just hours ago, and now I'm totally different. So I walked in there with one goal, to find my girlfriend, take her by the hand, and escort her out which is what I did. I took her home and I, I shared with her how Jesus had changed my life. And he's been working in me ever since. What was her initial reaction to that? She was, um, she, she actually, after I got her home to her house and I started explaining Christ to her, she seemed to be accepting of it. But as time went on, unfortunately, it, it was just an emotional response, it turns out. <laughs> she still loves you. That was, that was the issue. Yeah. Hey, let's stop and take a phone call. We've got Harold calling online, one from San Antonio. Harold, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hello, Pastor Ron, and uh, your guest there. I'm sorry to catch your name. Uh, His name is Pat, Pastor Ellis. Oh, okay, Pastor Ellis. Yeah, it's good to hear you say, hey, we have a guest. Let's take the call. You don't get a lot of that these days. But... Uh, Forgive me, I'm a little tired. I guess I really love my job. I'm off today, so I'm not driving. <laughs> oh, I've been really wore out, but that's when you love your job, you get wore out. But anyway, my and my sister and I, Betty, I I called her up earlier, and she's, I want to say, more uh, knows probably as much or probably more about what's written in the Bible than I do. But I had come across some uh, some things that I heard that the apostles, especially Peter, and there's too too many to talk about, like Peter was not really hung on the cross upside down. And, of course, I looked at a verse, John chapter 21, where Jesus talks to him, where you're going to be putting your belt on this way and and that way, and pretty soon you're going to be, I don't know, twisted around, so your arms are going to be stretched out. And so... I was telling Betty, from from what I'm understanding, is that there's really not a reference, of a actual word reference in the Bible about the apostles and their death. I, and then she says, well, Stephen was stoned to death. And then, it, you know, reading further, not in the Bible, she goes, well, you have other books to go to that will help you find those answers. And I said, Betty, we're not supposed to go to—I mean, we can go to other books. We can go online. We can do whatever. But ultimately, it's, I want to know where it's at in the Bible verses and things like that. And so, to me, if it's not there, you know, in plain English, or maybe it's Hebrew, maybe it's Greek, I don't know. Maybe the words aren't translated. i got seven or eight different translations. Um, I, my thing is, I just, if it's not there, am I wrong for wanting to look? I mean, not look and maybe not believe or just talk about and discuss but not change my Bible beliefs. You know, like I said, I'm real tired and I guess I'm <laughs> talking pretty good laying down, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's okay, Harold. So, just don't let my voice put you to sleep. That would hurt my feelings. No, 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 you're fine. <laughs> should, should I hang up if you want to? 
Yeah, just hang up and, and listen. I'll listen hang on up the and radio. I'll listen better because my okay, yeah, because my computer's out. I'm gonna have to listen on the radio. Okay, thank you, Harold. God bless you. Appreciate calling you. Call in. It's nice to hear from you again. Um, you know, Ellis, this is something as a Bible teacher, we deal with stuff like this all the time, where there are stories and legends and traditional um, Jewish thought, and we, we've always got to sort of um, parse what's real as what's legend. Uh, we don't want to misrepresent. Now, it's very clear in, in the Gospel of John that when um, uh, Peter is told by Jesus what kind of death he's going to die, and the Scripture itself says, says it, he, he's told him this to indicate the kind of death he was going to die, that Peter was going to be crucified. That was really, really clear um, out of the mouth of Jesus. And of course, John walks by and Peter did what we typically do. Well, what about him, Lord? And and uh, Jesus basically, he did it much nicer and I'm going to do it right now. But, but basically, Jesus just said to him, that's none of your business. This is between you and me. That's none of your business. Now, uh, church history, there are writings, Harold, that indicate that Peter, when he was captured and was going to be crucified, he said, um, um, if you'll just grant me this one wish, uh, I'm not worthy to be killed in the same manner that my Lord was. So uh, if you're going to crucify me, turn me upside down. And there seems to be a lot of evidence that that is true. So we can say, now when I'm teaching at Ellis, what I do is I say, um, um, you know, church history teaches or, or, or theologians write um, uh, that, that Peter was crucified upside down. But we can't give it the same credibility as we do the word of God. And so, Harold, I, I think reading and, and, and finding out um, what the early church writers and other reporters of, of those who were martyred um, are saying, I think it's important. I think it's really, really valuable. But what we always have to do is we have to view those writings through the filter of Scripture. Scripture is, is um, um, inspired by God, written, literally written by God. Um, and those books are written by men. And so we can't give them too much credibility. Uh, we've always got to say, you know, I can tell you the Bible is inspired, but I can't tell you this is but it is likely. I'll give you an example, Ellis, and I'll let you comment on this as well. Uh, when we get into Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about uh, uh, prophets who were sown, sawed in half. And there seems to be substantial evidence that that was uh, a reference to a Manasseh ordering that Isaiah be, be crucified or be murdered that way, sawed in half in a, in a hollow that log and sawed. Uh, and so we can say that, but we just can't give it the absolute authority of the Word of God. I agree with you absolutely, Pastor Ron. Um, yeah, Harold, I agree with Pastor Ron. We can look to history books and other writings to sort of give a background or fill in the picture, but Scripture is our only authority when it concerns matters of, of life and living and godliness. It is the only authoritative work but having said that, the Bible doesn't address every historical event. So, you know, we, we look at history and we could weigh it and accept it or reject it um, based on what it is. But, of course, it doesn't receive the same authority as, as God's word. Yeah, there are stories, Ellis, that, that um, um, have been going on forever. You hear pastors preach, you know, the high priest would go in, he'd have to have a rope tied to his ankle with bells on it, and they'd pull him out if he stopped making noise because they would fear he would be dead. There's, there's absolutely no evidence, Jewish or otherwise, that that's true. And that's preach as well. Um, uh, you know, the, the shepherd would break the legs of the lamb and carry him around his neck. No loving shepherd would do that. But those stories get told, mm. and we have to be really, really careful um, what we represent as, as being true. Thank you, Harold. Appreciate you calling. We got a troublemaker on line one, Felipe from San Antonio. Felipe, thanks for calling. You're on the air. <laughs> I'm a godly troublemaker, Pastor Ron. Okay, okay godly <laughs> troublemaker. So, uh, yes. um, uh, I just wanted to say thank you, Pastor Ron, for, for, you know, first off, having our pastor on to introduce our our the church plant, Calvary Chapel Northwest. 
and and entrusting us to him um because i know that's that's important to you the people that god entrusts you now you're entrusting us and and for pastor ellis i've i've had the honor of knowing him for 13 plus years and i've always felt like he he always spoke as a pastor would you know when people are, are filled with the Spirit. I didn't have the Spirit. I met Ellis when I was unsaved, and he was actually the one that led me to the Lord. I called earlier this week, and that's why uh, I had said that uh, ordination last week was extra special, you know, for me personally, because the man that led me to the Lord was getting ordained. Uh, so I just wanted to, to, to thank you. We're, we're excited about the our 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 church is growing. Uh, of course, we need the toughness. You prayed last week during the uh, <laughs> the ordination to toughen us up. I don't know from what, but I know there's going to be some tough times coming. But as long as we're with the Lord, we can handle it. Uh, yeah, Felipe, I'm, I, gonna, I, I'm I actually going to talk about. I'm going to talk about that on the second half of the of the program okay. a little bit. Some of the some of the difficulties. And and let me just say this to you: be as faithful for Ellis as you have been for me all these years. Uh, that's that's wonderful. We have 30 minutes left in the Friday edition of the program. If you have any questions for Pastor Ellis or for me, 340-9585. We're back in two minutes. Back to the Word to Stand On for Life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the second half of our Friday program, 340-9585. Ellis, um, what are some of the expectations you have uh, starting from scratch, what are some of the difficulties that you're anticipating? Um, just share your heart. What's going through your mind as, as we get ready to start your very first Sunday? Well, uh, as far as difficulties, what I didn't realize was all of the um, administrative things that needed to be done in, in running a church, um, just the the federal thing with the 5013C and just so many things, setting up bank accounts and the website and all of that. I mean, teaching the word of God, you know, you, after doing that for a while, that becomes the, the easier part, you know, just trusting the Lord, opening the word, studying it. When you love it, it's easy to do. It's all the other things. Uh, the biggest challenge I believe that I and facing right now and that I would um, really like prayer for is just time management, time management, just being able to get everything done, uh, going from teaching one Bible study a week to now two on Fridays and Sundays and just being there to to uh, pray with the people, to counsel the people. And of course, I need to prioritize my marriage and my family to be a representative to the people. So having to do all of that in the time that's allotted, that is my biggest challenge right now. You know, in, in much earlier times, uh, people just get together under a tree, open the Bible and, and share. <laughs> you can't do that anymore. There's laws that you have to, to, to follow and um, standards. Um, we, we want people to be able to get tax deductions for their, for their gifts mm-hmm. uh, to the church. So there's just a lot of administrative stuff that you have to deal with. Um, I, I think, Ellis, one of the things that uh, I'd like the audience to know, um, especially any of you who are considering uh, looking for a new church on that side of town, uh, it's hard um, to start up a new church because you you don't have all the things other churches have. And, and uh, we've already spoken about this, but my counsel to you and to everybody that we've ever sent to start a church is don't do any more than you can do well. And when you can do something well, then you do it as the Lord leads. But there's all this pressure right away to, to make sure the people feel like they're coming into a church to make sure that you can meet all their needs. You know, you got a rock and worship band, you got a children's ministry. Well, all those things take people. Mm -hmm. 
And the one thing that you need to understand if you're if you want to get involved with with this church on the ground floor is that you are the foundation. And Pastor Ellis's job is to equip you for the work of ministry. God will give you gifts. He will give you direction how to use those gifts. And and you will be the ones that step up and start this marvelous work. It's it's difficult because people have expectations. And, of course, our flesh, we'd like to meet their expectations and we can't. But at the same time, it is so exciting to see something on day one. You've heard my story. Our very first Bible study, we had 13 people. It was the biggest crowd we had for two years. Mm-hmm. And, and we never would have been able to believe back then what the Lord was going to do. And, and now... Um, you will be used to encourage and to exhort the people that come to use their gifts because it's not your job and your wife's job. You know, she's not automatically the children's minister because she's your, your wife. She's your wife. Mm-hmm. And um, um, God will bring people and you'll shake your head and imagine, Lord, why me? And I'm so grateful. And then you'll wake up one day and it'll be, 24 years later, and you wonder where would, where the time went. So that's just one of those things. Here's a question that just now came in from our email inbox from Princess. Uh, good afternoon. What is the time and address for the service, th- for service this Sunday at Calvary Chapel Northwest? That's an easy one, Princess. Um, the address is 11,300 Wild Pine, and the time for the service is 9.30 a.m., we will be meeting on the, the third floor, but you'll, you'll see directions when you come in in the building. Princess, we, we have never, we've been here for 24 years. We've never started a minute late. And, and Ellis is after my heart. So be there on time. You will be loved. The people there will welcome you. Uh, you don't have to feel awkward about coming into a group of strangers. They'll only be strangers for a half a minute. Uh, and and uh, just enjoy the fellowship and the Bible teaching. Um, what would she expect, or anybody that comes first time? Uh, what's the dress? What's the worship style? Um, what should she? What's it going to look like when they walk in the door? Well, Princess, what you can expect as you come in. First of all, dress the way you dress every day. We don't want to, there's no special dress code, so whatever you feel you're comfortable in, if you dress in your everyday clothes, you'll be right at home. There'll be people there in jeans, probably people there in shorts, because it's San Antonio and it's hot. In the summertime. Just come come as you are, and you'll be okay. You'll find uh, our worship to be contemporary. We also do hymns as well, so we have a a mixture uh, of our worship, and we're just going to open the Bible and simply teach what it says. First uh, Corinthians is what we're in uh, this this Sunday. So that's what you can expect. And again, I want to give you that address one more time. It's eleven thousand three hundred Wild Pine. That's San Antonio, Texas, seven, eight, two, five, three, nine thirty in the morning. Princess, thank you very, very much. You know, um, worship is uh, Always a stickler, Ellis. Um, I remember when we started, the very first time that we met, um, I had a guy who came out from Bible college. Uh, he didn't come out with us, but he knew we, he, we were coming out here. He had family here, so that's where he came. And it turns out he could play guitar really, really well. And he was always hanging with the kids with their guitars and singing. I assumed he could sing well. He said, I'll lead worship. Oh, that's great. We don't have a worship leader. That would be great. And I'll, I'll never forget um, sitting there that very first day. We opened in a word of prayer. We welcomed everybody. And then we started worship and got this beautiful guitar riff going. And then all of a sudden he opened his mouth. It was the worst sound I've ever heard come out of a human being. <laughs> it was just awful. And all I could do was laugh at myself because it was just, okay, Jesus, you're going to keep me humble. This You've got a sense of humor here. Uh, and so after that first night, uh, Paula did worship for me. And because she can't play an instrument, she just sang. I know she had a beautiful voice. Uh, uh, she has, I, I know her heart, that's for sure. Um, so it wasn't the, the rock and worship that people want sometimes, but I knew it was pure. I knew it was holy. I knew it was delivered with the right heart. And um, 
you know, we, we've got to be patient as God brings people in and gives them the heart. They share the vision. How can two walk together unless they agree to do so? So uh, don't have expectations uh, other than the word is going to be taught. It's going to be taught faithfully and in love. And you're going to be welcomed and you're going to be loved by the people. And uh, Ellis, as you know, there's a whole bunch of people that have been coming here to church on Sundays for a very, very long time who are now going to be going over there. It frees up a little room for us over here. Uh, and we're going to miss them. But um, it's still going to be a small crowd. You're not going to walk into hundreds and hundreds of people. That's right. That's so right. it's just one of the things that we have to have to expect. So Princess... Call next week and tell me how he did. <laughs> Ellis, what's else on your heart? No, let me say this. Ellis, make him play the saxophone for you sometime. He is absolutely great. He's played in our orchestra um, um, for years, and and he's really, really good. His family, I think, is Lauren doing worship? No, Jasmine. Jasmine. Oh, Jasmine. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought it was Lauren. Jasmine's doing, doing worship. Oh. Jasmine and Dylan. Well, I didn't know Dylan could sing. Yeah, they they are our vocalists. It's funny you you told that story about your worship thing. We have a guy in uh in our assembly, our body, Casey, loves the Lord, and he's our go-to guy for everything. If there's a need, he steps up. He plays the guitar. He stepped up. Uh, he's not gifted vocally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not either. I'm not either. So it's no slam on Casey. But you're a, you're a saxophone player. You can't sing and play at the same time anyway. Right, right. right. So um, yeah. So so Casey started leading our worship, and um, we we got some other vocalists now. Jasmine has a really beautiful voice. Uh, Dylan could sing as well. They're still a bit shy, so pray for them so they could sing out. But um, yeah, we're we're getting our worship together now. So like you say, it's a it's a process and it's slow. So we don't have any high expectations of a lot. Of, we're definitely not a, a mini Calvary Chapel, San Antonio. They're not going to walk in there and, and find that we have a, a, a nursery and a first grade and a second grade and a third grade. We have toddlers and babies and, and up to ele- and after 11, you're in the main service. You know, we just have two sections for our children, but they are being taught and they're being taught the word by people that love the Lord and, and our, the babies and toddlers are being cared for lovingly as well. You know, that's how every church gets started. I don't think anybody goes and suddenly has the whole show. And if they, if they try to do it, uh, they don't do it well. And, and usually it's, it's just worse than if you just only did what you could do and nothing more, nothing less. Again, the one thing we've done a couple of things well here over our years, but the one thing that, that I think at the beginning we did well is that we didn't do anything we weren't ready to do and had the people to do. Mm. Uh, we hired babysitters for children's ministry at the beginning. It was at a daycare center. So we hired them. Um, the, the two girls that we hired are now women who've been with our church now for, for more than the 20 of our 24 years mm. and love the Lord have been serving fruitfully. But um, you do what you can do, do it well, and don't worry about anything else. That's good counsel. Are there going to be people from the senior living center who are attending? I hope so. They're invited, and it's been placed in their in their monthly bulletin now, so they're aware of it. So we're we're praying that um, they come along. Uh, Kelly and had an idea that we should do an outreach to them, maybe an ice cream social or something in the near future. So we we may do that just to meet them and talk to them, let them know we're there. Be careful, ice cream and old people don't go well together. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. If you have any questions or uh, anything for Ellis that you'd like to answer, or even for me, uh, let's take a question here. That um, this one was sent in anonymously. Uh, it says, "Do I have to go to church and tithe to have a fruitful Christian life?" Ellis, I'll let you take that. Well, the short answer is is no, uh, as far as the tithing. As far as going to church, the answer is yes. Jesus said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. We need to remember that uh, when we are born again, we become members of a body. 
And as members of that body, we all have something to contribute to that body. So you you should be going to a, a local fellowship where the Bible is being taught, where there are people that can love on you and where you can serve, where you could serve the Lord. Tithing is is an Old Testament um, law. It, it comes out of the law where you were required to give 10%. The New Testament is a little bit different, where the Bible tells us that we should give as the Lord has prospered us. So we need to seek God in the spirit and find out what he wants us to give. Uh, often it's it's more than 10%. You know, it's as the Lord has prospered you, you are to give and you are to give with a cheerful heart, but it's not out of compulsion. It's not a law. Jesus only wants you to give because you love him. Yeah. And I would I would add this. Well, we we as New Testament Christians, um, having been recipients of, of marvelous grace. Um, we live what I call a, a get to life. Your question is, do I have to go to church? Do I have to tithe? Uh, and the answer is we get to. Um, we get to go. Do not forsake the assembling of the saints together. That's for your own good. And and I'll be really, really bold here. It is impossible to have a fruitful Christian life. And that's the, the, the wording you used in your question. It's impossible uh, on your own. You have to be a part of a body, a contributing part of the body. We don't go to church just to to, to have our needs met. We go to meet the needs of others. Uh, we, we look for divine appointments when we go to church. Instead of um, looking around and saying, why is anybody coming to me and saying hello? You go to somebody else. And and that's what church is. It's your part of a body. Imagine trying to scratch an itch if you didn't have any hands. Well, some of you are hands, and, and Pastor Ellis is the mouth. He's going he's gonna to do the teaching. But we don't have to do anything. We get to do these things and it is such an important and vital part of our walk with the Lord. As Ellis said with tithing, um, he, he said, he, God may ask you to give more than 10%. I'll say unequivocally that he does. He tells you to give everything to him. You know, you spread out your, your paycheck before him and say, Lord, look what you got this week. How much of it do you want me to keep? How much of it do you want me to use for your church? And, and and he'll let you keep most of it. It's okay. But the idea is you give generously and you give hilariously. God says uh, to the Corinthians, he loves a cheerful giver. A hilarious giver is the literal translation there. And so we give because we've been given everything. And that too is a privilege. Now, Ellis, I'm going to be talking about faith over these next many weeks now in Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, and your money is one of those areas where you have to be walking by faith. You know, sometimes you can do your bills and you can do your income and you can say, well, the math doesn't work. If I give money, then then I'm not going to have anything left over. Um, but but walking by faith says, OK, God, you said to do it. I'm going to do it because I love you and I'm grateful for what you've done. And the truth is you you reap what you sow. And it's not a give to get scam. Our heart has to be giving for the right reason, but we, we find out sometimes how big God is. Amen. So, Anonymous, I hope that helps. Here's a question from Natalie Ellis that I'd like you to answer. It says, uh, it's hard sometimes to know if the Holy Spirit is talking to me or if it's just me. How can I be sure? Now, that's a question every Christian has asked at one point or another in their walk with the Lord. So why don't you tackle that? Well, Natalie, the way you know is to know your Bible. The Holy Spirit will never tell you anything that's not in God's word. So just judge it by the word of God. Um, if, if you feel like you're being led to speak to somebody about Jesus or share your faith with them, you could pretty much be sure that that's God. You know, he, he, he wants you to do those things. He's made that. He's certainly not the devil. Clear. He's certainly, <laughs> certainly not the devil. Not the devil. So you, you weigh everything according to the word of God. Uh, you, you pray, you, you seek guidance, and then you, you, you press on. You, you, you move on and, and do what you need to do in faith, and, and, and God will bless your obedience. Yeah, Natalie, I would add this as well. You know, um, there are times 
I, I have to be careful as I explain this. There's times when God doesn't want you to know. He wants you to take steps of faith. He wants you to, to, to do some risky things. And, and we do it because we trust him. Now, God is really good at closing doors. If, in fact, um, you, you think God's asked you to do something and you step out and you're not hearing from the Lord, um, he'll be right there with you. Uh, over the years, many, many times, I, I had a good idea. I thought it would work. And and just taking that first step of, of what I thought was obedience, God made it clear that that wasn't the case. But what Ellis just said about knowing the word is how we have to measure everything that we think we hear from the Lord. I get questions, Natalie, all the time about um, how do I know if it's God or how do I know it's the devil who's speaking to me. Um, the, 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 the only way is the word. John says, brothers, test the spirits. Not every spirit is from God. And the only way you can test the spirits is, is by knowing what the word of God says. So open your Bible, be obedient to what you do understand, and God will give you more clarity on the things that you don't understand. But remember this, walking with God is not an exact science, nor is it intended to be. Ellis, I don't know about you, but 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 I, I thought as a new believer that I'd get to a place maybe a year or two or three years down the road where I just knew with absolute clarity everything God wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I found out that the more I grew in my faith and the closer I got to Jesus, the less obviously I heard him, the less clearly I heard him, and it's because God was teaching me to grow up. Mm, I agree. I agree. So, Natalie, I hope that helps. Just be in the Word. Know it. Uh, if, if, if you're a little unsure if it's God or not, uh, open your Bible and ask him to reveal it to you. He'll never tell you anything that contradicts the Bible. Um, if, you, if you understand that principle then you're going to be on pretty solid ground. Thanks for the question, Natalie. Uh, Ellis Lane says, and you can answer this one as well, uh, why would God create people who are not elect since they will end up in hell? Elaine, your question breaks my heart. (laughs) (laughs) What I'm seeing in that is um, some some teaching from five-point Calvinism, which when followed to its logical conclusion would say that God created people that have absolutely no chance of going to heaven and he created them to go to hell. And that is just not true. It just, you would, you have to twist scripture in order to come to that conclusion. You have to take God for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And you have to twist that to God so loved the world of the elect. The Bible tells us that that God is is not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. God has given everyone a free will to accept him. Jesus has paid the price for the sin uh, for the whole world. For a person to end up in hell, it means they are going to hell in spite of what Jesus has done for them, not not because they were created. To end up in hell, and they were created as not part of the elect. Yeah, and you know, Ellis, we, we have a saying in our English saying, if we don't want to do something or don't want something over my dead body, well, we literally have to walk over Jesus' dead and resurrected body to go to hell. And it's the last thing in the world that he wants. Isaiah 28 says, judgment is a strange work to God, strange to his character. Uh, Jesus said, I came to save. I didn't come to judge. I came to save. Um, not only is he unwilling that any should perish, imagine his heartbreak that so many do. Uh, Elaine, I'd like to add one thing relative to this, why would God create anything? Um, You know, God created two people by his own hand, Adam and Eve, nobody else. Uh, The rest of us were created by the natural process of being fruitful and multiplying. Um, we, We get married, we have children, uh, and 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 the result is babies. We have babies. Boy, do we have babies here at Calvary Chapel. But God didn't do that. God just gave us the process. Now, if if you take a position uh, that your question suggests, we almost would assume that it's God's responsibility to not let anybody be born through that natural process 
if they're if he knows, and of course he knows if they, if they're not going to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But God gives them not only the opportunity, but He gives them the opportunity to live in this magnificent world. Um, he gives them the opportunity to hear His voice, to look in the heavens, and declare His glory. Uh, if they choose not to, because they would rather sin than go to heaven, um, well, then God simply doesn't prevent them from making that choice. It's something that we really, really need to, to understand. God loves the world, not just the elect, and every person who's ever born will be without excuse. Philippians chapter 2 says, every knee will bow and every tongue confess, um, and everybody will stand before the Lord with no excuses, won't be able to say, but God, you didn't show me. Um, we've got to understand that. So, Lane, uh, God created people to enjoy this beautiful creation. God created people to have a, a successful, prosperous, thriving life. God created us, Revelation chapter 4, verse 11 says, to worship him. All things are created toward him is the literal translation there. And when we understand that, we understand that's our purpose for living. Jesus' death was efficacious for the whole world, but it's only efficient for those who receive Jesus Christ. We got one minute. Oh, I was going to get one more question. Um, one minute, so we don't have time to do that. So, Ellis, why don't you close us out? You've got uh, uh, just a couple of days to your very first Sunday. You nervous? No, I'm not nervous. Um long as I don't think about myself, I'm not <laughs> nervous. If I keep my eyes on Jesus, realize that it's, it's his service, it's his church, he loves the people, and, and I just need to be faithful to him, then I'm okay. One more time, the address? The address is 11,300 Wild Pine, San Antonio, Texas. And at 9.30 on Sunday, you know, remember on your pulpit, there's just sort of imagine when the Greeks came to Jesus, they said, sirs, we would see Jesus. Make sure that's what they see when they come to Calvary Northway. Amen. That's the point. Hey, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you Monday. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.